forever. Dog. Just between us. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and knee dislocator. I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and very interested in this story. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Allison Raskin, do you want to start at the beginning? I guess the beginning takes us back to November when my fiance <laughs> abandoned me. And, you know, I I decided I needed to go home to New York to heal and grieve. So I did Uh that. And I I got there, surprisingly. I don't think we've talked enough about how amazing it is. I got myself on an airplane three days later. Yeah. I remember standing in the airport being like, how did I do this? (laughs) (laughs) And then I was home. I had, you know, a rough few months, but I was surrounded by my family and two dogs. And I was healing. I was getting ready. And then I was actually supposed to come back to L.A. on March 6th. I had my flight booked and everything. And then it turned out that I got offered to do this YouTube video that's like going to be cool and fun. And so my manager was like, why don't you come back the week earlier so that you can do it? Okay. And I was like, cool, cool. Uh, I'll change everything. I'll completely rearrange my schedule so that I, I fly home on February 27th instead. Okay. So... I, I've been dreading returning to L.A. just because, like, they changed the ESA regulations for emotional support animals where you can't have an emotional support animal anymore on an airplane. So I had to have Sugar have a have a carrier for the first time instead of her sitting oh. on my lap. So I was, like, very worried about that. I was worried about getting back. I was worried about, you know, having to, like, travel back here and, you know. Just stupid things were like in the past, like when we would travel, Jake could wash sugar while I was unpacking versus like me just having to do everything Mm -hmm. by myself. You know, it was just like I was like scared to be back in the apartment by myself. I was bracing myself for a tough day. I did not brace myself enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go. (laughs) I get to JFK, smooth sailing through security. Then sugar decides to start shitting in the airport. And so she shits three different times as I'm making my way toward the gate. And I just quickly keep picking it up and hoping no one yells at me, picking it up, hoping no one yells at me. And then I'm like, okay, so she's got poop on her butt. I got to go deal with this. So I go to the bathroom and I wash my hands and I turn to wipe her and my right knee completely dislocates. So I immediately collapsed on the floor. Sure. And my kneecap was sticking out of my leg. Um, Has that ever happened to you before? When I was a teenager, my left leg dislocated a few times, but never to the point where I had to put it back in. It would dislocate and go back in. Okay. This was the first time where I had to put it back in. (sighs) Okay. Um, And turns out that's not something you're supposed to do. (laughs) Were you alone in the bathroom? I was not alone. We'll get to the... we're going to tease this story because... Oh, right. It comes up later. Because later we're going to be talking about the kindness of strangers. And so uh-huh. we'll, we'll get into all the wonderful people who helped me. But yeah, so on my way back to LA, my right knee dislocated for the first time fully. And I have to say, at that point, I, I no longer cared that I was had to go to the apartment without Jake. It was more like, will I be able to walk again? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, God hands you priorities. It's a good distraction. You know, that's what I really... Really needed. I 
needed a physical pain to distract me from any emotional pain. Uh, why was Sugar pooping so much? I don't know. I have no idea. She'd already pooped that morning. Stress. Yeah. So this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt <laughs> advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. <laughs> well, wow, wow, wow. Okay, so this week we are going to be talking about the kindness of strangers, which in which we will hear the riveting part two of Allison's knee dislocation story. <laughs> I am on the edge of my seat, but not far forward enough in which I will also injure myself. And then when we return from break, we're going to answer a listener's question. Stay tuned. Just between us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Cassie, California. All right. I love the name Cassie. I think it's so fun. It's cute. It's super cute. (laughs) Okay. So Cassie, they, them said, TLDR, should we make peace with the knowledge that our favorite shows and franchises are ethically terrible or quit them altogether? Hey, Allison. I appreciated. Wow. What the fuck? They just said hello to me. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Cassie. After hearing on your last show that Gabby was sponsored by and you were a fan of The Bachelor, I thought you might have an answer to my query. I started watching the show ironically during Colton season to try and- Don't we all? Don't we all? (laughs) That's funny because Cassie is who won on Colton season. That's true. To try and figure out why people watch the show. Yep. Admittedly, I now totally get why it is so popular and I'm completely hooked. I even joined a Bachelor subreddit for the weekly memes. Unfortunately, joining that subreddit also exposed how deeply problematic the franchise is. Some of that is obvious from watching the show, like the way it upholds the patriarchy. But the more I learn about the people in the franchise, the worse it gets. You probably know this season has the first ever Black Bachelor and one of the most diverse casts of all time, which should feel like a step in the right direction. But what you may not know is the suspected winner of his season was recently exposed for a variety of racist behaviors from liking posts from Trump supporting friends donning Confederate flags to photos of the woman herself attending an antebellum party three years ago. A boycott went down in last week's episode after Chris Harrison gave an interview excusing the contestants' behavior while condemning the woke police. Every time the franchise does something to try to make up for its past failings, it comes off as temporary and performative instead of genuine and real. As someone who canceled their entire family for supporting Trump, I feel like boycotting one week isn't enough. Mm. Keep in mind that the issues listed here are just the tip of the iceberg. A former contestant was at the insurrection. Oh my God. Oh yeah, yeah. I worry that a deep dive into any show's history will reveal a certain amount of problematic people and behaviors. Is there any way to make peace with the knowledge that a franchise is terrible or is it time to stop watching The Bachelor? Thanks for all your efforts to provide unproblematic content. Cassie, California. Okay, so first of all, thank you, Cassie, for saying that our efforts to provide unproblematic content. I really appreciate you saying it that way because it's impossible to provide something unproblematic, but we do try. Secondly, this also reminded me of the fact that Joss Whedon got in trouble. A bunch of actresses from Buffy uh, came forward to talk about how his behavior on set was definitely not the best. I won't get into it here because it's triggering, but you can read it, especially from uh, my noted metamore, Michelle Trachtenberg. So I am going to say that almost every bit of content ever made 
is going to have problems. I think like historically, the people who are have been in charge of media and of the things that we consume have largely been white men or straight men or white straight men. Like, I think it's going to be hard to find shows or things that aren't problematic. And even like in entertainment, I think the ways that people have been treated in the past, we obviously know about from the Me Too movement, from Harvey Weinstein. Like, I think if you unpack a lot of the, a lot of your favorite things, it's going to end up having problems. I even feel this way, like, and maybe we're getting away from this more so, but like it stuck out to me when girls came out and Judd Apatow was the person who was shepherding it. And I'm sure like that person is fine. And then like Larry Wilmore having to sort of shepherd insecure with Issa Rae. And like, I think like even, I don't think that the industry trusts women or trusts people of color enough to allow them to make things entirely without the influence of a of a man. And I think maybe that is changing, but I have found that it was hard to get something made without some white guy in the shadow or some, do you know, or some guy, I think like you'll be hard pressed to find something where every person involved was like, good. <laughs> yeah, but I I think that The Bachelor is is different in that it is a reality show. So you you know, there's there's the difference between like, you know, being on set and there being an inappropriate director and then mm-hmm. like the psychological manipulation that all of these contestants go through on a daily basis oh. and oh. giving and giving airtime to certain people over certain people and I think that this season has been really disappointing in that it has just like super focused on women bullying other women oh yes and i also think that they it was hard normally there's like a villain it was really hard for me to watch what was going on with victoria because and i don't want to like diagnose or psychoanalyze but i was like you are clearly i felt that the producers were clearly exacerbating a person who was not well and I was like, this isn't fun. Well, they do that this every season. I, yeah, I was like, this isn't fun. This isn't good to watch. Like, I don't, I think that's a person who like should go home and like take a rest. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I did and not be pushed more and more and more. Like, I think we've become more aware of the behind the scenes of the show. And I think like in the past, if there wasn't social media, we maybe wouldn't know that but like, we've known so- we've known for years because Unreal came out years ago. That is so, true. I mean, I guess for me, this email hit me in the gut because I was like, oh, I'm I am a hypocrite. <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm so willing to like cut, you know, like other other problematic things, you know, like, I don't know, let's say like Michael Jackson or Woody Allen or other mm-hmm. things where like there's a consensus to cut it out of your life because of, of the problematic people making the content. It's just been easier for me because like that content is not such a big part of my life. Yeah. Whereas like I fucking love The Bachelor. I love yeah. The Bachelorette. I love Bachelor in Paradise. I love yeah. Listen to Your Heart, which I wish we'd get a second season. Like, you know, <laughs> like this is like a really big part of my life. It's a big part of like my social circle and that like when we could have people over, I would have people over mm-hmm, to watch mm-hmm. it. I feel like it's the closest I've ever been to like being involved in the, like a 
a fan community yeah where, like I don't follow sports but like I will talk to my friends about what's going on and who's gonna mm-hmm. win and you know and so this is like kind of that first time where I really have to have this reckoning where if I protest it and, and then if I give it up then like I, I will feel that loss mm-hmm. and so I, it's sort of that question of like, do I have to do that? <laughs> it's getting to the mm-hmm. point where I feel like I I might have to do that. This is the first season that I've yeah. I, I've thought that. I mean, I started watching with Ari season, so I'm fairly new. Mm-hmm. And I only started watching because of former guest Becca Martinez, uh, who I thought was very attractive. <laughs> and it is hard because it now is becoming toxic, where it was just like shitty or kind of like whatever. I think it was always toxic for the contestants. And I think yes. it was always very, very manipulative and psychologically damaging for the contestants. Yes. But I also think that it has become a bigger race issue. That's um, the thing, yes. And now it's different. Now there's like, there's multiple problematic things happening there. There was always a race issue with the show in terms of that there weren't people who weren't white on it. Yeah. But now like with Chris Harrison apologizing, you know, or like with Chris Harrison bringing up the woke police and apologizing for this girl's racist behavior with the first Black Bachelor now being, as we all suspect, picking a girl who has had this racist behavior, you know, it's sort of like, why did they let that happen? Why'd they let her on? Why'd they let her on? Why wasn't he made aware of, you know, like with Becca... Oh, the other Becca, Becca picking, picking Garrett, who Ugh. is a Trump supporter, and like her not finding out about that until they were already engaged. Like there is just so, and Chris Harrison's treatment, I think of Rachel Lindsay was abhorrent, Horrible. and their treatment of Rachel Lindsay in general is abhorrent, mm-hmm. and her having to feel like she has the weight of this entire franchise on her back as the mm-hmm. first Black Bachelorette, you know. So while it's always been a problematic show, it is now expanded outside of just the those. 30 people in, in the mansion and what's happening to them. It's become part of this national issue. And it, it feels yucky to keep watching it, but it's like I'm addicted to it. I, it's really tough. Yeah. It's so... I think you watch in the hopes that maybe it will get... It's like this hopeful naivete where you're like, well, maybe. But like the audience for the show largely doesn't... Like we are in the minority of people who watch it who feel this way. So that's the whole thing, right? Is like taking responsibility. And so with the Chris Harrison incident that was mentioned in the email, you know, Chris Harrison is now taking a step back, right? Mm -hmm. But what does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to, like, if they get a new host for the next season, I will keep watching it. Mm -hmm. But if they literally just have Chris take off one after the final rose to like appease the liberal masses, then like, that's not real change. I think that I will stop watching it i think that sucks maybe i'll watch paradise i don't know i like it's really hard this is the first time we're like giving up the thing on principle is actually like difficult for me yeah i mean <laughs> because it is such a big part of my life yeah but i i guess we kind of have to put our money where our mouth is right yes Ugh. the amount of trans friends of mine who had harry potter tattoos mm. like when jk rowling just went full turf and it's hard, like the separation. So that's a different thing than like watching something that is ongoing on the air. Mm-hmm. But like, it sucks. Something that was created, literally like the idea of the muggle was like, you know, against racism, against exclusion. Like, it's so wild that this person doesn't see that their art reflects <laughs> whatever. So like to give up Harry Potter or to give up 
you know, Buffy or even like, I'm a huge Drag Race fan. Huge. Love Drag Race. Mm -hmm. Drag Race, incredibly transphobic for a very long time. The two people I live with in my house are a a transmasculine person and a trans woman obsessed with Drag Race. Love Drag (laughs) Race. Eventually, they started like doing things better. And now there's a, a trans man contestant on this season. And so they've changed things. Even like they used to say, gentlemen, start your engines and may the best woman win. And this season, they changed it to racers, start your engines, may the best drag queen win. They changed mm-hmm. it. So like yeah. that is a show that is evolving. Right. So I have hope to keep watching it. I don't have the same hope where The Bachelor will do the same thing. Right. Yeah, I guess that's the answer, right? Is it's like, you know, we we hope that it will get better. We hope that they will publicly come out uh, uh, condoning certain behaviors and mm-hmm. not letting their contestants keep ending up with people who are politically not aligned with them because they're never I, I don't know if they're not talking about it or it's like I, I'm not sure but but I don't think that girl would say she was racist and here's the other thing is that the bachelor engages in like a, a culture that you see a lot of just casual not they think of racism as I hate black people I'm punching black people what they are not seeing it as is like I've attended a plantation wedding I've attended an antebellum party you mm-hmm. know my sister went to Florida State University all of her uh, merch is Seminoles, Native American caricatures on almost all of her college merch mm-hmm. um, that I had to I had to mention to her, like, I don't think you should wear that. And it was a battle for a hot minute. But now she understands or like she posted a photo with a friend of hers and the friend is wearing a Leonard Skinner shirt, which fully has a Confederate flag on it. And I had to text her and be like, I think you should take that picture down. Mm-hmm. But she was like, it's a Leonard Skinner shirt. And I was like, I know. But and like, I just think like these people are similar where they're just like not it does not occur to them that that there is a history or they don't care or it does occur to them and they don't care. What was so ridiculous to me about like Chris Harrison's whole interview with Rachel Lindsay is keep he kept being like, but that was back in 2018. You know, Which, people what didn't the like, I'm sorry, but BLM started in 2014, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, if you were saying that was that was back in 2001, I'd be like, OK, but fucking 2018 P- BLM was like in full motion. Every, like there was an awareness like I'm sorry, like th- pretending like three years ago, nobody knew that like going to a plantation yes. was wrong is ridiculous. But they don't they don't see it that way. They don't care. I mean, coming I come from from Florida and like we learned about it around like not in my school because I went to a Jewish school, but like friends of mine and like er- people in the area learned about it as the war of northern aggression. Right. Like, but we, I'm sorry, but 2018, like, no, shut up. By that That's time, ridiculous. But I'm, saying, I'm saying there are people in my hometown who would not view going to a wedding at a plantation. They would not think twice. But then in their daily lives, you would be like, are you racist? And they'd be like, of course not. Yeah. I guess I feel like I was scared to put this question on because now I feel like, oh, I have to stop watching. I'm almost like picked this question to like hold myself accountable. <laughs> Yeah, because it would be easy for me to have just ignored it and to keep watching and to be like, they're trying, they're changing. But like, I don't know, the more I'm talking about it, like, I think we have to stop watching it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. And also, like, uh, the fan base, I think, really tells you a lot about the show. So, like, for Drag Race, too, Drag Race, I'm giving them excuses, but Drag Race has a lot of problems. The fan base is very white. The fan base is 
very mean to black queens, which is ironic because like literally black people invented drag, but whatever. But like they are way meaner to black queens. They are way harsher in their judgments of them. Oftentimes the villain is some form of person of color. And there was this whole thing because in season 12, the winner of season 12 was Jada Essence Hall. She is a fantastic black queen. The runner up is a a very good queen named Gigi Good, but Gigi reached 1 million followers before Jada and Jada was the winner. Mm -hmm. And that happens all the time. The number of white queens who have not won their seasons reach 1 million followers on Instagram faster than black queens who have won their seasons. Like it's, it's just the data is there. You can see what the fan base values. I don't know. I guess maybe what do we do? Do we give it, do we give it one more season after this big scrapuffle? I think we should see how they handle the finale. Okay. Yeah. And if they handle the finale poorly, then I mean, I, I may stop watching just because honestly, there's like a new season of Drag Race every five minutes. And I really, they just announced Drag Race Spain and Drag Race Australia. And I like, I'm t- I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I mean, for reality shows, I mean, I don't have an answer. It's hard. I think, I think I personally, I'm, I'm going to stop watching. Um, the Bachelor but it's not or as, Drag Race? Uh, the Bachelor. But it's not as, as big of part of my life as it is a part of your life. Like, I don't, I'm obsessed with Drag Race. Like, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. So I guess this is one of those things where it's not a clear answer. We need to keep checking in with ourselves, check in and see if, if because this is a show that is still going on versus mm-hmm. things like Harry Potter or um, that's the thing. Buffy, yeah. You know, I will hope for some change. But if it becomes clear that that there isn't, then I think I have to stop. Yeah, I'm sorry. And it's also, okay. like with things that are that are like out already, I think part of me is like you can love it for what it meant to you at the time. Like you can love Buffy. You can love Harry Potter. I love Michael Jackson. I think Off the Wall is maybe a perfect album. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of conflicting feelings about it. I, you mentioned Michael Jackson, Woody Allen. I mean, Woody Allen was like huge for me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't, well, I mean, I, I fucking love I mean, Bill Manhattan. Cosby was huge for me. It was yeah, like can't. my dad's favorite stand-up. We saw him live multiple times. Right. Like that was a big part of comedy for me. And like, <sighs> that was a big loss. Like you, you can't. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. I can't, Woody Allen's gone. I can't. And I have, I struggle with Michael Jackson because I, that's some of my favorite songs. I also think like it's an, it's an opportunity to educate yourself about what else is out there. For instance, like, okay, you love Michael Jackson, but like maybe there's someone who sounds like him who isn't, you know, like now I'm getting very into Tina Turner. It's also very different for me if the person is still alive, because if they're dead, it's like, what are they benefiting from you? You know, but like if you're still alive then you're giving them money. You are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go to Harry Potter land, sadly. (laughs) And I have a Slytherin sweatshirt and I'm scared to wear it. I know. It's horrible. Trans friends of mine are like, I'm sorry you don't understand the importance of your own creation. Like, I'm sorry mm-hmm. that you don't understand that, like, you created Polyjuice Potion, which allows a person to change, like, their look and gender. You created the, the, pro- the like, racist idea of, like, mudbloods to show that things are racist. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you, an exclusion is bad. Not even ra- whatever, but, like, exclusion is bad. Like, you created, like, the Death Eaters who are basically, like, 
uh, judging who can be a wizard and who can't. Like, do you not understand that you created things that like trans people relate to and are absolutely allegories? Like, how do you not? But also, I think that the <sighs> movies are different. I think that like so many amazing actors and talented actors have come out of the movies. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It sucks. It sucks. Like, and it's it's hard that so many things that gave us so many great female characters, mm-hmm. like Buffy, like Buffy is, you made Buffy and you didn't treat women correctly? Like what? It's wild. So what <sighs> do you think, Melissa? Bachelor specific. I've always known that it was trash and racist and manipulative. But then like on the flip side, I watch a lot of Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. But Real Housewives is more diverse across the franchises. Then you've got like the OC, which is they've got a lot of problematic racist people on there. And I stopped watching that. So mm-hmm. right. I think you just it has to be a personal decision for you. Even going into this season, which with The Bachelor, I had one of my friends was like, you need to watch this season. It'll be great. And I was like, no, it won't. I already knew it wasn't <laughs> going to be. I th- I knew that they're going to pick some a black dude that would be like pal- palpable for like mm-hmm. middle America to digest. I knew yeah. they weren't going to do the complete like background checks on these women could because it's about the entertainment. Mm-hmm. I knew like I knew also it. when he in the beginning of his season where he was like, I feel a lot of pressure to pick a black girl because I know that the spotlight is on me, but that's not who I usually date. Like he didn't say it that outwardly, but he like oh, alluded to I that. Saw I saw it like, in the preview <gasps> and I was like, nope. Oh. I, I, I knew what was like, I already knew all these things. I and know. I was telling the friend, like before the season even started i was like this is this is all for show the the way it happened how they picked him like all of it is for show it's not Mm -hmm. gonna be good and it just turned out exactly how i knew it was going to from this conversation i think i will i will not continue to watch the bachelor but that's less hard for me because again like there's 45 seasons of drag race on at any given time um <laughs> and when when RuPaul was saying transphobic things and PS RuPaul fracks he's a he fracks like uh on his farm in Wyoming it's like complicated mm-hmm. yeah but also it's like we're in a global pandemic there's so little joy in the world like these things bring us comfort and like happiness and and it's such a tough thing to 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 figure out the right answer i mean i think a part of it is is continuing to try to hold them accountable and continuing to try to call out the bad behavior and Mm -hmm. i mean and not make it like all on poor rachel Lindsay's back you know please go support rachel Lindsay. rachel Lindsay has her own podcast and it's awesome yeah but like on top of that them after that interview because i did watch that interview mm-hmm. that chris harrison had with her yeah and i was like after that interview how can they allow him to come back mm-hmm. yeah i agree because he never said he was leaving he said he was taking a break he mm-hmm. never said he was leaving this might have been our most depressing question yet <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i think it depends on you're right i think it depends on your personal values and and holding your yourself accountable and i think if you feel uncomfortable that's a sign i don't know i love i fucking love kanye's first few albums that's another thing it's like i love kanye's first few albums but when oh. he started being problematic i deleted all his music i off can't my, i know i, I can't deleted listen all to of it. it i did the same with michael ja- i mean michael jackson as long as we've been alive he's been problematic i know but a lot of the stuff like got pushed behind but then when more of the allegations came out as an adult when i had 
time to reflect. I deleted all his music. Same with R. Kelly. I stopped. And same with um, (sighs) Woody Allen. Like I watched um, all his movies, Mm -hmm. loved him, Mm -hmm. pushed it away. But I'm the kind, I'm very like, as you guys, I feel like, you know, by now I'm very black and white about like my feelings towards things and I can easily push things away once Mm -hmm. I find an issue with it. I don't really, I don't think that much with like emotions. Oh, <laughs> like I just saw a clip or the other day from Rosemary's Baby and I was like, oh, Rosemary's Baby is such a good movie. It's Polanski. Like, yeah. I feel like you can't like everything. <laughs> everything is bad. Yeah, it, yeah. it truly is. Mm-hmm. There, You could find somebody bad on any set, but it's like the people that it's their vision mm-hmm. is what the problem is. I don't want to disregard that there are creators that are good and that are doing things like you don't have to just consume art by bad people. I feel like oftentimes you'll see something where you'll be like, oh, this is really like good representation of this one thing, but then it's like ableist or like this is very good Mm. representation of like, you know, queer culture, but then it's like a little, it's like racist. But at the same time, that is wildly different than this guy is a rapist and I'm watching his movie. Mm -hmm. Wildly different. So, and I think we have to really keep that in mind too. So there's there's, one, there's levels. You can't just write off everything as if they're all the same. And as if like something that did like one thing wrong and they're like, oh my God, we heard you, we're sorry, is the same as consuming content by a pedophile. Complete, you need to have levels, you need to have context, absolutely. And I don't see that enough. And two, there is content by people who are not bad. It's not the content that is shown to you. So like if you're in film school, a lot of time they are gonna show you these films by these white guys or bad people because they go, well, this is the canon. But we decide what the canon is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for this question, Cassie. I, I hope <laughs> it was helpful, <laughs> even though we're all sort of <laughs> grappling with it as well. If you want to submit your international question, send it to just between us pod at gmail.com. That's just between us pod at gmail.com. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about the kindness of strangers. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice to text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. 
This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always feel comfortable just sharing about herself, but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before. So I'm so excited for that. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code just between us at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code just between us for 10% off today. Turtles All the Way Down is the acclaimed number one bestseller by John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Turtles All the Way Down is now streaming on Max. NPR named the novel a, quote, sometimes heartbreaking, always illuminating glimpse into how it feels to live with mental illness. Aza Holmes never intended to pursue the disappearance of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake and her best and most fearless friend Daisy is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Pickett's son, Davis. Aza is trying. She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living with the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. Turtles All the Way Down is a brilliant novel about love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. As someone with OCD, it is so wonderful to see OCD represented in an incredible book. I think it is so important that we talk about mental illness, both in our own lives and through narrative. Buy your copy of Turtles All the Way Down in stores today and catch the movie streaming on Max. Just between us, it's time for topics. baby, baby. Oh my god. Okay, so we're talking about the kindness of strangers, and now we need to get into part two of Allison's knee topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have always been a proponent of the kindness of strangers. I think that people want to help each other. I think that you know, like if you see someone needing help, like I tend to offer help. I feel like people have offered help to me, but like this is like by far the most that it's happened all in one day (laughs) where so my knee dislocated I collapse on the bathroom floor and a woman who worked at JFK like ran over to me and was like are you okay and I was like no (laughs) so part of what the equation is with the kindness of strangers is is feeling comfortable enough to accept that help Mm -hmm. Um, I was gonna say and I think for me because of what's been going on in the last few months and needing to rely on my support system so much and having had so many people I barely know or kind of know or complete strangers reach out to like offer words of encouragement and advice and support I've become a lot more comfortable accepting the kindness of strangers which like thank fucking god it's also vulnerability it's allowing vulnerability into your life it doesn't get much more vulnerable than like collapsing to the floor so Mm -hmm. Uh, she ran over. She was like, okay, let me go get help. She got help. And then there was another woman who was cleaning the bathroom who just sort of looked at me and was like, why are you still in that position? 
So look, not all strangers are going to be kind to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. Well, that's the disclaimer here. <laughs> that's a disclaimer, but I do think the good outweighs the bad. Um, and so the first woman came back, like helped, like I, I'd gotten back to standing, but she later told me she was ready to just like pick me up with, on her shoulder. Oh my God. She like hobbled me over to a wheelchair. Wow. She like was like, I'm not going to leave you until like you're set. Like she just like fucking came and like was like my guardian angel in this like really traumatic moment because I had like gotten to this place where I felt comfortable. I asked her to get me Advil and water so I could like immediately take that because I knew I was going to be like on a plane and, you know, like you swell more on a plane and mm-hmm all of it um and she was like absolutely and you know and and we had just like this really intense interaction Mm -hmm. and like i'm just so thankful for her and i feel like if anything i want to just say that like if you see somebody and you're sort of like should i help should i not help like at least give them that option you know like at least say like do you need some help can i help um And like when my knee dislocated at LAX the second time, which was like not as bad, I didn't collapse and it it went back in by itself. Like I screamed in pain in a crowded bathroom. Mm -hmm. And like another woman who who I don't know came up to me and was like, are you okay?" And she like helped me. I was like, I think there should be a wheelchair for me, but there isn't. And like and she like tried to like help me track down a wheelchair, you know, even though she was just like this time she didn't work for the airport or anything. She was just like helping me out. And because of COVID, I had like a car service taking me home and that man like fucking like carried me to the elevator (laughs) and you know like and then that night oh my god that night I thought I lost sugar and so I was like how do you how do you how did you lose sugar well because (laughs) I was on my cane and she pees in the front of the building and then she comes inside and so I she peed and I like opened the door and I called for her and she didn't come and when I went to go look for her she wasn't there and so I was oh. like, oh, my God, I've lost my dog. But then later she was in the lobby. So it's unclear if like she somehow got in the lobby while I was like, I don't I don't know what happened. I might have dissociated. I don't know. But anyway, there was a period of time that night where I thought I had lost my dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I called my friends and they came and helped. But also just these people who were just like on the street at night, like multiple couples could tell that I had lost my dog and they started searching for the dog. Of course. And they were like going up and down the street all around. Like I told someone who worked at Trader Joe's and he started screaming Sugar's name. Like, you know, like it was just like this. As horrible of a day as it was, it was also just like such like a refreshing or it just like completely reignited my faith in humanity. Not that I didn't have faith in humanity, Mm -hmm. but it was just like one of those days where I was like, holy shit, people are awesome. (laughs) So I like that you knew that there were people around that didn't stop. And I think that allows you to appreciate the people that did stop. I think like it's it feels very vulnerable or we live in sort of like an individualistic society where I think not enough people do stop. <laughs> like I if know. you see I think people do stop, you know, like I think <gasps> I think an issue is sometimes we see that someone has stopped so then we think okay, we don't need to help. Right. Yeah. And I get that. Allison, remember when we yeah, rescued that, that woman? Oh my god, I just remembered that. Allison yeah. and I saved this lady's life one time. No, we did not. We we, we just helped her. Okay, <laughs> she wasn't so going to die. <laughs> we were walking back from lunch. Uh-huh. And you noticed a woman laying in the street. 
Yeah. I just saw some legs poking out. And you were like, a woman is laying in the street. And we were like, what? And we ran and this woman had fallen Mm -hmm. and she was laying in the street. Her, her purse contents were scattered and she was like, ow, 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 like in pain. And so we stopped and we were like, oh my God, is everything okay? And then um, other people stopped. Other they people saw, stopped too. And yeah, because they saw of... us, guy on a bike, uh, a UPS worker. But yeah, I mean, it was multiple people within a short amount of time. Like, I really do think that like the human instinct, you know, is to help other people. <laughs> and I but think we... let me say something. Okay. Yes, because that woman fell and she was well-dressed and she had a, a pocketbook. Yes. And we were like, okay, that's whatever. But the human capacity to fully walk by a homeless yes. person, mm-hmm. that to me is confusing. Mm-hmm. I do it. Oftentimes, like, I will check and see if I have a dollar or something. A lot of times it sucks because we don't move in cash anymore. But it is, I think there's a different response when Definitely. the person who falls or whatever uh, doesn't have shoes on or right. is like, you know, I think that there's like this hierarchy of who do we mm-hmm. help? And that fucks with me. I, I shouldn't have been singing people's praises as much as I do. <laughs> I do think no, that no, we no. do. At the airport, what happened to you? Absolutely. You should sing their praises. But we do treat praises. the unhoused community completely different. And we dehumanize them and people don't stop and they don't help them. And it, it is really horrible. And that's what I'm saying. But like there's certain people that we've just accepted that we're mm-hmm. not going to. So I moved from the east side to North Hollywood. But when you go back to the east side, because of the pandemic, because we haven't done rent cancellation, the unhoused community is has grown massive, mm-hmm. massive on the east side. It's confusing to me who... I mean, it's not confusing. It makes total sense. But like, it is interesting to look at like who, when someone falls down, like why did we rush to help that woman? But like, maybe we wouldn't have stopped if it was like a guy and he wasn't wearing like a shirt, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not creating solutions. (sighs) But then, okay. But then the rise of murder podcasts We've been taught. Well, I was gonna say, I think not we've to been help taught. anybody. Yeah, it's tricky because it's like because that thing Ted of like, Bundy, Ted Bundy would come up with a sling and say, "Can you help me get this thing in my car?" And then, boom, you're murdered. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those <laughs> things. I think that with the house community, we've been taught to fear them, and so we've been taught that they're like dangerous or, uh, you know. And I don't believe that. I don't think that that's no. true. But I think that that's what we've been raised to think. And I think you guys should go listen to our episode with Theo from the Unhoused podcast for more information on that. We we can't speak to it as well as as he did. But also, I wouldn't help. I would not help a man do anything. And I'm sorry. But like in, in the airport, yes. In certain situations, yes. But like if a guy was in, if a a, a grown man was in a parking lot and he was like, hey, like, can you, I would, I would be like, I'm not getting kidnapped. And statistics have shown that arguably like that's not really a thing, but we know it's, we we think about it as women as such a thing or female Mm -hmm. presenting people as such a thing because of the rise of true crime podcasts and because of the rise of true crime media. But I'm just saying like that we've been taught to like mace everyone who comes near us. Mm-hmm. But then it's like the one time you don't mace them and you like are being polite because you're taught to be polite as a woman, like that's when you get killed. 
There's yeah. no answers. <laughs> I, I think it's safety first, humanity second. And sometimes it can be really hard to figure out if, if your safety concerns are valid or more just because of, of what you've been taught. I know. Um, and it's also hard to know. It's hard to know who to trust, what to trust. Um, I think your surroundings matter a lot. Like if it's you and one other person completely alone, it's very different than if you're in a crowded area. where You can were say to happen. from far away, like, oh, you fell like a guy fell by his white van. You're like, hmm. It's like, <laughs> I can call, I can call someone for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's like, it depends a lot on context. Yeah. But also, like, I think. People sometimes, even in the airport, let's say people are like, I'm busy, I'm moving, I, I can't like stop for this person, you know, like I think the what, the person who worked at the airport, sure, but I think the other person who stopped for you, like that is an inconvenience, they're like inconvenience to themselves to help you, you know? Yeah. That's a but rare guess, person. I don't know. I guess I grew up with my mom always offering to help people. Really? Um, yeah, just like stupid things, but like not stupid things, but, you know, like she's tall. So she would reach things for people. Mm-hmm. She would hold the door for someone with, a you know, if someone's pushing a, a, mm-hmm. a stroller. I learned you hold the door for them. Like there's mm-hmm. just like little social interactions, I think, where you can like maybe go a tiny bit out of your way to make someone's day a bit easier. I do that, too. And when I lived in New York on the subway, we would oh, if someone was coming down the steps with a stroller, I would be like, I'll hold the other side. Yeah, I did so, I kidnap mean- a lot of babies that way. <laughs> so they shouldn't have trusted me. But I'm just kidding. Yeah, like you I would help them with the stroller or if someone's like struggling up the stairs with a suitcase or something like yeah. I just would oh, even offer. I just am like, do you want me to carry that? And just being kind and to people and and making it so that you're not. I, my whole thing is like, I don't want to make someone's day worse. <laughs> and if I have the opportunity to make their day better and it, and it costs me so little, why not? And I don't think and I think you're this way, too. I don't purport to know what's going on in everyone's life. So if somebody is like walking a little slowly in front of me, I'm not like, Ugh. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they fucking just dislocated their knee. Totally. Who knows? If someone's driving really fast on the highway or something and it's like, oh, I'm like, maybe their pregnant wife is giving birth in the backseat. <laughs> Who knows? Like I am <laughs> extending so much. But I also think having that mindset makes you a happier person, because if you assume the worst about everybody and you're always getting mad at everybody, that affects your internal world. You're going to be less happy. So why not? give people the benefit of the doubt and why not treat people with kindness because whether or not they deserve it it's going to make your internal world better yes have i been burned by this mentality of course <laughs> i'm just saying that i think like you have to run the risk of being burned because i think we're too suspicious of each other <sighs> but i am indoctrinated by true crime podcast so as soon as i said that i got scared <laughs> Um, Melissa, you want to come on in and, and share your thoughts? I have been raised that basically like my grandmother and then my mom is because my grandmother instilled into my mom that anybody could be your guardian angel. Yeah. And so, you know, always doing like nice things for people or helping people out, um, but safely. When I was in New York, I drank and did drugs a lot. Shocker. And I was one time really drunk out of my mind and I uh, was going back to my apartment in in, um, Greenpoint and I blacked out and I sat on a stoop and I blacked out Mm -hmm. and I vaguely remember someone coming up to me and talking to me, someone saying, where do you live? Bringing me to my apartment, taking me into my apartment, putting me down in my bed and then leaving. 
I have no idea who that person was. Wow. I, I, I don't know who they were. I will never probably know who they were unless you're listening to this and you one time found <laughs> a drunk bitch on the street in Greenpoint, Brooklyn and brought her to her apartment. That's a guardian angel to me. I don't know who mm-hmm. that was. I do recall them being angry at me, like vocally being like, you can't fucking do this, uh, which is uh, within their right. Like I could have been a sexually assaulted, murdered, everything. Um, But instead, the person who found me was a person who just like took me home and put me to bed and then left my apartment. Holy shit. Yeah. Like there but for the grace of God go I. And I think about that all the time. Like that, that was so reckless. And and somebody was kind. I think probably people have a lot of stories like that. Maybe not to that extreme, but I think everyone's been helped by a stranger in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever you are, shout out to shout out to you. I don't know who you are. Okay, so let's do a quick rating. I give it 12 out of 10 people on the street helping Allison find sugar. (laughs) I give it 48 out of 36. Oh, that's a high rating. Yeah, it could be like emotional or physical. (laughs) I love that. And I will give it 14 out of 10 boycotts. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening. Please come back on Friday. We'll be joined by Dr. Sarah Flowers asking some tough questions about sex education. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa D. Monks. Executive produced by Brett Broham, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam or youtube.com slash show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news and at Allison Raskin and at Gabby Road on Instagram and at JBU Podcast on Instagram. Bye! Forever! Yeah.